0: Welcome to the Aftermath a show where Daniel and I sit down and we talk about what we talked about on Sunday, ask questions and think a little deeper, more deeply about uh, what's going on in the church. This week, we talked about uh, the vision and some of the plans that we have to put in place. Daniel, what do you uh, think about it? Or, oh, Man, it, it was awesome, like kind of because it set
1: out like a, a nice plan and like all of your uh, teachings and sermons, you kind of did a nice recap in service. And, uh, they lead us to this place where we ask ourselves the questions, like, are we going to be the church and do the things that the church is supposed to do? Like, do we see Jesus, not just a savior as, but as Lord? And like, is that what we're going to, is that what we're going to do? Are we, are we going to serve Jesus as our King? And are we going to be the church that he called us to be?
0: Or are we not? We threw a lot out there and there are a lot of different facets that, uh, are needed to- in order to have a functioning church and a vibrant church. What, from your perspective, out of the things that we talked about or things that are rolling around in your head, what seems to be the most important or most pressing at this point for this community? This think? community is actually getting into the community.
1: Like we talked about the concentric circles, um, uh, making sure that we're serving each other, that the first, the early church talked about, they should know you by your love for each other. Um, that we should be loving on each other, and then the circle of the neighborhood, and then of uh, kind of maybe different neighborhoods in the city, and then the city itself, county on out, those those kind of things. And, and you kind of alluded to this too, like we can go on mission trips and go to other parts of the country, and then somehow when it gets to our city, it's like awkward to get out and do the same types of things. Um, so the, that, that to me is like an important part of like actually reaching out to
0: the community around us. You're right. Because a lot of times you, you just don't even know. Sometimes it's because you don't know how to do it. But a lot of times it's also you, you don't even notice the problems. Right. Because they've, they've always been there. In some ways you're blind to what's going on. Yeah. Just because you're sort of used to seeing it and it doesn't stick out at your head. And I mentioned and alluded to, and, and this is something that Mike said last week that stuck in my brain, was the parable that Jesus tells about the rich man and Lazarus in which the rich man day after day, leaves his gates and Lazarus sits at the gates and is begging, asking for charity. And the rich man never gives him the time of day. In the end, when they both have passed on, the rich man finds himself in a bad way and gets pretty, chastised pretty hard for having ignored Lazarus. I, you know, when, when Mike was talking about that and, and the time we were talking to him, it just sort of like, oh yeah, that's in some ways, that's us, our church not intentionally, but there, there are probably lots of times and places where we come in, we park in our parking lot, we walk over, we go in the building, we walk out of our building, go back over to the parking lot, get our cars and go home and never realize that literally next door are people who need help. Yeah. Um, you had a nice practical application to like the
1: talking about prayer walks. Like I've always seen prayer walks as like a group of people like they go out and randomly play with like pray, but like the way that you said it is like you walk prayerfully down the road and like, it's gonna to lead to encounters with other people. Yeah. So yeah. like you actually have boots on the ground, like you know what's going on in your yeah. neighborhood. So like it not only brings an awareness of like what God is saying about your neighborhood, but like it also brings an awareness of what's actually going on sure. in the yeah. neighborhood. Taking that time to slow down. And we talked about this last week, slowing down and being quiet and, and listening for God to speak. Like that works in the context of our neighborhood too. Like. Sure and you start to realize, oh, people are in need and they need help and there's very easy, like actual solutions probably when you, you're just there.
0: Right, yeah, the, the need and the solutions kind of jump out at you when you slow down and take time to think about it. But I was just gonna pull out the point and kind of reiterate what you said a lot of people, I think when they think about going on prayer walks or praying for their neighborhood or their city, that's done in a, a detached way. So that even if you're out walking the sidewalk, you're walking by a house, you're stopping, you're praying for the person in the house, whether you know them or not, you can kind of pray generally and then you move on to the next one and the next one and there's never sort of contact. But, um, and not that you don't do that, but I think if you do that and then there happens to be someone on the porch, stop and talk to them. Yeah. Introduce yourself. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, an in your face God conversation which you're trying to, you know, beat them over the head with the gospel. But yeah, So just, like, I, I just introduce the, yourself, say hi. You I know? had the two dichotomies in my in my head. Like
1: you're walking down the street praying. Like you you're not you're worried more about the prayer than like what's going on, or yeah. you're the, you know, knock on your door and give you a track, try to get you in a headlock and get you to accept Jesus. Yeah. You know, like sure those are the two di- dichotomies that I've seen. Right. Um, and then this third way, this almost like the soft difference that you talked about, like, oh yeah, this is, that that makes way
0: more sense. <laughs> the reason I would argue with that is, I think we see Jesus doing that too, right? He's, he's on a mission, uh, you know, I think, Times, particularly in Luke, we have this whole sort of detailed travel narrative when uh, he's in the ministry up in Galilee in the Northern parts of Judea and, or Israel and turns and he starts the journey down towards Jerusalem. He's got his face turned towards Jerusalem and he knows he's going there ultimately for his death. Um, and there are, there are multiple moments where he's in the middle of trying to do something, a mission, a purpose, a task, and people come up and bug him or bother him and he stops and he takes the moment. And so I just liken that to, okay, we're out on our prayer walk. We're here to be prayer, prayerful. But if there happens to be somebody that comes along, like take the moment to deviate from your plan. In some ways, the deviation becomes the plan, right? You start right. out prayerfully hoping for and trusting that there's these moments are gonna pop up and hopefully you're gonna have the words to say and the things that need to be done yeah, in that I moment. Had, so, I had a friend who
1: talked about like, uh, like the church has been for a while in some sort of defensive mindset that we have you know, retreated to the castle and we expect everyone to come to the castle. Yeah, that's very and, true. And so uh, evangelism ministry in general has centered around the church, um, like getting people into the church, just the kind of like rethinking of that where like we need to get into an offensive mindset and like actually go and maybe offensive is not a great word, but like definitely within the context of football, like (laughs) we're not trying to keep the other team from scoring. We're trying to score points.
0: I I think that's absolutely true. And particularly in churches like this that are historic in nature, they've had large congregations in the past. We just get in this sort of, like you said, almost defensive or protect mode in which we just want to make sure that we keep the people that we've got. If somebody new comes here and there, that's great, but we're not. Out, sort yeah. of, as you said on the offense.
1: And there's one thing we know: cover two defense never works. <laughs> <laughs> like you're just going to let the other team march down the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now we're,
0: we're getting way too deep into the I'm sports analysis. Sorry, my bad. Right. but um, but yeah, I mean, the, the point the point is true and valid that that we need to, and and that was kind of I think the crux of everything that we presented yesterday was we need to be actively engaging on mission with God, I mean, God is doing things. God wants to do things. God is not beyond doing things by himself, but he's certainly for whatever reason has opted to do things through and with us. Yeah. Um, and so if we are willing to put ourselves in the position to be used and to partner with, and we used the term yesterday, co-labor, uh, work alongside God, I think much more can be done. Uh, again, not because God needs us, but because because God wants to use us. That's yeah. sort of the purpose of the whole thing. Yeah, that's the plan. I mean, yeah, that God wants to, I mean, we've talked a couple of Sundays now about God coming to join his people. I mean, creation was created and we were to work, but he was there with us. God is a good, mighty, sovereign God, but loves us and wants to be there alongside of us. So yeah, uh, we have to be willing to step up and to go do that work. One of the things you talked about was uh,
1: Apept. Um, yeah. And uh, th- this is not new to me, but it might be new to some, um, but the apostolic, prophetic, uh, evangelistic, teaching or pastoral and then teaching. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that fits the, the, that's the acronym, but the acronym, (laughs) the way that you, you did it is kind of different than, um, I guess ways that I've heard it before in the, in the thought that like, these are a part of your gift mix and your personality and, um, how you function, not like you're the evangelist, you're the pastor, you're the teacher, you're the apostle, um, Mm. or you're the prophet. Like it was, Uh, very much more like it seemed a little more natural the way that you explained it. Say more about that. To me, it seems like, okay, we've identified a person who's a pastor. Okay. Now the the only role for you to do is go out and become a pastor Mm -hmm. or we've identified a person who's evangelist. So you you have to get a suit and you go out and and (laughs) preach messages and lead people to the Lord that way. Um, But you had some more practical kind of like just every day in the mud and the mess and like, you're, you're, especially with the role of an apostle. So like the way that I've seen apostles work is only like in governance of pastors. So like your definition of apostle was like, okay, this is, we can work with that. That's much that's much more malleable. That's much more... Uh, what, how did you hear
0: that definition? Just so oh, those that are listening yeah, know yeah, what yeah, you're talking with about.
1: The, with the apostles dealing with the strategy and the planning and networking between churches and like the, the way that I've always heard it is like they're the boss, you know, like they're, gotcha. yeah. they're or, or they're shepherding, they're the pastor of pastors. Okay. But the way, like they would be like the head of the five fold ministry. So mm. if, if you would look at it in some sort of uh, hierarchical sense, like your apostles at the top, you know, and then then your pastors and then prophets and then evangelists and then teachers would, it would sure. be like a top-down kind of governance. But the way that you have it spread out is kind of like, in, in a circle and they all kind of work together and feed into each other.
0: Yeah. And, and they do, I think they do one flows from the other, but not in an authoritative way, Yeah, but in a functional way. So that if you look at certainly the early church and sort of the church movements that have sort of exploded that possess all five of these, um, that apostolic gift is sort of the Genesis of all of it. So, Um, it is an apostolic movement that wants to create. And out of that flows the need for and the gifting of the prophetic ministry. And then once we have the word of God calling us to do something, well, then we have the sort of the the framework within which to be evangelistic, right? right? And once we are evangelistic and start to build that church, which the apostolic and prophetic ministry have sort of pushed us towards, well, now we have people that we have to shepherd and care for. And we also have people we have to teach, right? And yeah. so, um, they're, I think they're listed scripturally in order, again, not necessarily authoritatively, although of course we would say that the the big A apostles were the authority in the early church, of course. Right. Uh, we're not here talking, we're not saying that because you have an apostolic gifting that you are a, a big A apostle in the way that they were, right? So that, that we, we probably should distinguish between those two things. Like yeah. big A apostle is the 12 and Paul, they're people who, lived alongside with got their mission directly from Jesus and therefore have, have authority because they're the ones who were the disciples, the, the physical first disciples of Jesus himself. Right. So they have apostolic authority as a result, but their role as being the sent ones, that role and that function is something that carries down through the church. And so we have people in, in our midst who are gifted apostolically. So they're gifted in terms of strategy and, um, church planting. And as you said, and I think one of the needs here is, is networking uh, within the church and then also with the larger church communities of, of Zanesville and Muskegon County. Yeah, I thought so there's sort of a difference there. So
1: I thought it was interesting. Like one of, you, one of your takes was like, Hey, if a church is already doing something and it's good, let's, let's help them. Like we don't have to do our own
0: thing. Yeah. I like, I, I like think there's all a, the time. Uh, yeah. And I think that that's that's probably true way more than most churches want to admit. I mean, like we are all one church at the end of the day. Right. Especially in a culture and a time and a place where we, as an individual church or churches are facing a decline, which is just the reality of church culture now in our world and in, in, in America, especially we get real protective. And this goes back to your protective versus offensive sort of thing. So um and, and then, so then we're scared about supporting another church or giving credence to, or, you know, credit to another church for fear that, well, maybe our people will like that church more and they'll go over there. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's not, that's not what we ought to be doing, right? So we've got this church up the, the road that's, that's doing this, you know, shoebox ministry for, uh, for Christmas we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Let's just jump in with them. They've already got the, the, the sort of the strategy and the logistics planned out. Let's just grab some boxes, fill them and hand them back to them and be part of that. Yeah. Again, back to that apostolic sort of gifting and role, like there's way more of that that we can be doing. And I hope that we, we start to do. Yeah. yeah, there'll be some things that we need to lead. Yeah. But not everything that we do as a church has to be led by our church. So there's no reason we can't go partner with another church who's doing something awesome.
1: And we're, we're already doing like that kind of thing with Christ's table with our, sure. uh, the last Sunday of the month we do the community yeah. meal here.
0: Right, Christ Table, Christ Table has an, a, a really effective, amazing food ministry here in downtown Zanesville and they're closed on the weekend. So we'll just jump in one Sunday a month and fill that gap. Yeah. Right, we don't need to, we, we're not setting up our own food ministry. Yeah. We're just coming alongside and partnering with them. Yeah. We so. don't have to make Christ kitchenette over here. No, no, <laughs> we don't have to redo everything. Yeah. So I, we need to think wisely and those are you know two just real off the top examples of ways that we can think sort of apostolically in terms of networking with other churches yeah. for the good of the, the whole body.
1: Yeah. I want to talk to you quickly about the, the pastoral role because we have somehow redefined since I guess the Bible times what the pastoral role is and what the pastor is supposed to do. So now we have a pastor, like pastors now, like you're expected to teach you're expected to give care, you're expected to bring new people in, you're expected mm-hmm. from, to hear from God and you're expected to do uh, networking uh, with other churches, strategy and planning. So right now, especially in America, like your pastor is having to function in all five of these uh, yeah. gifts.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a long conversation in terms of history to explain why all that happened, but what you said is, is exactly true that um, and it, it has to do with the, pro, the way that ministry and sort of the, the ordination and the calling process became professionalized. Right. And it, it created this clergy laity divide in which you have professional clergy who were then seen as the, the, sort of the ones called apart, set apart, called by God to do these things. And then the, the regular people, the laity didn't have to right? And so, and what has happened specifically in the American context, uh, in, in many of our churches, certainly with the the apostolic and, um, Pentecostal movement, there's been a a resurgence of the Holy Spirit and and that focus. But for a long time, when culture became Christian, just by default, which we certainly are now seeing the destruction of that or the falling apart of that. And that's what we're trying to, as a, as a church in American culture now in the 21st century, trying to wait our way through. But what happened is everybody comes to church and they're soon to be Christians. And a lot of the apostolic and prophetic work of the church was no longer needed. Oh, right. And so if everyone is a Christian and really evangelism, like why do you need to go out and be evangelistic if everybody in your community is already Christian? what does evangelism even look like in that context? Yeah, um, And it may not have been that they were, but they were assumed to be. Yeah, And so a lot of, certainly the apostolic and the prophetic ministry and evangelistic ministry fell off. We kind of lost those aspects of the church and a pastor's role then became the caretaking and the teaching. Um, and then as culture began to shift, so, I mean, put yourself back a hundred years if you can in your head, the whole town is Christian, Everybody's coming to church on Sunday. It's what you do. You're born into a Christian culture. You're expected, you've been in church since the day you could, you know, you walk and probably before that you were baptized maybe as a kid um, and Sunday church is what you did. You just put on your Sunday best and went to church and everybody did that. Right. And so the pastor's role at that point, we have this position called pastor and it is caring for the flock and teaching. That's it. As society begins to devolve and that Christian culture is sort of laid bare. And we realize that one, maybe it wasn't as Christian as we thought it was, but two, it's even becoming even more hostile to that idea. And we have to have evangelism and we start to need again, apostolic ministry, and we certainly need prophetic ministry. We needed that all along, but we forgot about it. Yeah. Those things have to happen now. Who who does everybody look to? Well, for hundreds of years, the congregation has been taught and trained to think that that's the work of professional clergy. So when those roles become necessary again, everybody looks to the hired staff to do all those things. And th- as a result, we've lost this idea that these are, all, these are gifts that are given to the church and everyone finds a place somewhere in that mix. Yeah. And as a church, you know, I, I, there's a role for professional leadership within a church, but I think it has been oversold through the centuries. Uh, and, and there's not as big of a distinction in terms of the functioning of the church as we have made there to be. Um, certainly as, a, as one called pastor, as one whose you know, job it is to do the teaching. Yeah, I spend a lot of time reading and researching and preparing talks so that we can teach well, but there are other people that also can teach. And there are other people who have these other giftings that are out ahead of me in terms of ability and, and, and gifts from God. And we need to be, recognize that and bring everybody into the mix so we can function fully in a, in a way that the church has not for a long time. Yeah.
1: One of the things I've always liked about you is your willingness to put people into what they're called and gifted to do. We meet someone and they're like and, and you're like, "Okay, this person is is prophetic in nature. Let's let's figure out something for them." Like like one of the things is uh, you you had talked briefly about like their connectedness to God. Like they get more connected when they're working
0: in their gifting and what they're called to do. So this was actually a realization that I had, you know, about myself. Um I went through this period of like trying to figure out like, why do other people hear from God? And I seem to struggle to do that, right? Why are there, and, and thinking particularly about, you know, the, those with prophetic gifts really hear sometimes audible words, sometimes promptings that they recognize as God. And not that I haven't had similar experiences in my life, but certainly not on any form of regular basis, right? Yeah. And I think what I had to realize is that I was, I was chasing after a gift that I wasn't given. To some respect, right? So, yeah. I mean, I'm am a teacher. That's that's who I am, and I, I am equipped and good at sitting down and reading thousands of pages of theology and distilling it and bringing it and making it so that everybody can understand it. Hopefully, in my quest for experiencing God, I realized like what what is the fivefold ministry, right? It is the way in which God gifts the church. It is the way that the spirit comes and dwells us and empowers us to do things. So if you wanna have an experience of God, figure out what it is that God has gifted you with because that is the place where God comes and joins you, right? Right. So in my own personal story, like for me, it is, I experience God when I'm doing the teaching work, because that is where God connects with me that's the gift that's the that is where the spirit lives in me i'm going to find god when i live into that gift yeah and and that realization really drives some of what you're talking about so if we want to get people excited about god if we want to get people want to lead people to experiences with god we got to figure out what it is that god has gifted them in and teach them to to live into that i mean that's what god has put them here to do it's gonna do nothing but frustrate people and God's purposes for someone who's a prophet who hears from God or someone who's an evangelist who is just geared towards going out into the public, you know, into the world and having conversations with God to make them a caretaker, right? And unfortunately, I think that happens way too much. You look at somebody and, and this has happened in our past too, like somebody who's a school teacher. Well, well you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a teacher Like come teach our Sunday school class. Well that may not actually be their you know they may do that professionally and they may have the skills to do that but they may be their spiritual gift. Right. And I've seen a lot of, a lot of especially that's a that happens all the time. Teachers get super burned out because they spend all week teaching and then they're coming they come to Sunday Sunday church and they're asked to do the same thing. When we identify and allow people to live into what God is calling them to do like that's when things take off. People become alive. Yeah. Uh, they find they find their calling and their they're connection with God. And I mean, what's more church than a bunch of people becoming fully alive in God. So yeah. that's the point.
1: Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Like,
0: so this week
1: we had our first, uh, our first second service. <laughs> so we've added an 11 o'clock service to uh, go with our eight thirty service, Eight thirty, 30 uh, more traditional um, uh, and 11, definitely uh, different and modern kind of a little more casual um so this was our first 11 o'clock service and uh I'm very pleased very happy with uh how that went uh quite a few new people who haven't been to church here so very exciting uh and like getting to see like uh like we've had Lonnie come alongside with us uh, with Praying Pelican and like getting to kind of see like we've met with him uh, a couple times and like I- I've seen him out and like the 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 joy that he finds in in mission work and, and what he does uh, with praying pelican like seeing other people come alive you know like in their callings and like hey this is this is how this piece fits into this church like that's to me like that kind of gives me a little fire because I'm like okay yeah like uh, I'm not like, I'm not the, I'm not alone I'm not the only one and there's here's someone else that wants to come alongside and kind of co labor and, uh, you know, Lonnie's been a real encouragement to me. Cause like every time I run into that dude, he's like, always like,
0: yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a perfect example. And, and, you know, he, he found that calling obviously outside this church, but I've known him for a long time and sort of watched him grow into that, uh, and find that and, uh, to find his purpose. And I think what was for me being up front looking out, knowing some of the faces. I didn't know everybody that showed up, but I, I do have some background on on a number of them and just to know that all of all of them are that in a certain in a certain way, like they each have their their thing, right yeah. they, they, most of most of who showed up on Sunday has an, a basic understanding or a pretty good understanding of their calling and is trying to live into that. Uh, and so to have sort of a core and to look out and say, okay, well we've got this this area functioning now and because this person's here, we can do this and 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 to know that it's not a situation where everybody's looking to the guy up front to do everything, but we we beginnings of who's coming are people who understand that this is all of our our work. Yeah. We all have a role to play. Um, and, and it really is an encouraging picture of the body of Christ functioning, right? So everybody's right. going to go out and everybody's going to be working at all times for, for the glory of God and for the purposes of God. And um, that's what really excites me is, is when you start to get a whole bunch of people who are really working hard after that co-laboring and that building of the kingdom in their own ways, in their own worlds that we then come together on Sunday and report about what's happening, celebrate what's happening. Um, and then through the week we support each other and come alongside each other and, and help each other. Like that's, that's when it gets real exciting.
1: Yeah. It seems like we've started to get all the pieces to a, like a gospel engine now. So like we can, you know, we can actually turn the thing over. Like, so all the, the planning and the preparation that, that, Uh, you did and we did like ahead of this, like, okay, now we have a fully functioned Jesus machine. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting uh, way to put it, but yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, uh, and it was so fitting, like last week you talk about the Holy Spirit. So like, you know, the the Holy Spirit is obviously here and he's with us. And now we have the people of God um, uh, that are here and uh, know their calling, know what they're supposed to be doing and are active in doing it like that is, uh, that's a formidable force for the the, the
0: enemies of darkness. <laughs> it, it is, it is, you know, and, and if we can continue to gather those people and I, we should also point out like, we, we are fortunate that a number of the people that have shown up and, and showed up yesterday are leaders, go-getters. They've been in this game for a while now and they, they get it and they know what their calling is and they're out doing it. Um, there's no expectation that every single person that shows up is that, right? We also need other people to come in and go along and be parts of teams. And and for example, Lonnie and praying Pelican, like we need people to be in mission, whether it's with him going somewhere or uh, using his resources and skills here locally to do things for our neighborhood. We also need, I guess, for lack of a term, term, just just the workers that just want to be, you know, the people who just want to be helpful.
1: Yeah, Um, well, I think like, being a part of of a team especially now because like we have we have covid going on and like you can't really uh you know get together with people as much to be a part of something I think that's like a every human wants that right like oh yeah we all want to be a part of something and like we have you know these ministries that like okay you, you can definitely be a part of this and we like we want you and like you should be a part of something and like finding your tribe finding your people like, that's a big thing that everyone in culture wants. Mm-hmm. Like you, everyone wants to find their people. So I would just say that this is a place you can do that. So. I think they're,
0: they're shaped enough to be plenty of avenues. Yeah. Um, one of the things we talked about yesterday, and I, I I want to continue to sort of put out there in the forefront is I'm looking for diversity, diversity of thought, diversity of action, diversity of ministry. Uh, the more, I mean, we don't want to get spread so thin that we can't get anything done effectively, but um, you know, we, I don't want to be just a monolithic church that has one direction and one perspective, one idea about uh, what God is, who God is, what his purpose is. We need lots of different voices. So to, to going along with you said, like the, the chances are there's a place for you here. And if you walk in and, and there's not a ministry that is what you're called to, like let's talk about it, let's get started, right? Let's figure out how to make that happen. Uh, yeah. Back to your point, like one of my greatest joys as a as a pastor uh, so I mentioned I'm, I'm sort of gifted in teaching, but when it comes to actually pastoring and shepherding, shepherding people, is figuring out what is it that that God wants to do with you. Like, where is your gift? Yeah, and then saying, okay, well, how can we come alongside you and provide resources and training if necessary? But how can we make that happen for yeah. for, for you, whoever that is, right? That, and so that's that's amazing to hear from a pastor. That's like, fun to watch, though. Yeah, like, yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Well, like uh, you talked to me a little bit last week uh, off uh, off the podcast about like your dad taking joy in the things that that you did. Oh yeah, yeah. I said connected those things, but it's probably yeah. really connected. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like yeah. Uh, that's obviously at work here, and you like yeah. you just take yeah. such joy in people finding their spot in ministry and going for it. Like that, it makes it easier to do the work. You know, like yeah. you're not someone who's like. Oh, they're they're stepping on something here that that's 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 mine. You're like, yeah, go for it. You right? Know? So, yeah, yeah. I
0: I I think every human being has a little bit of that in them. That's like, oh, they're taking part of my you know my spotlight or whatever. Like that's that's part of human nature. But um, at the same time, I I relish in in watching people grow into who God wants them to be. And if you know. If you come in here and you become this amazing songwriter and this place blows up and and we become known as like the place where Daniel Curtis writes worship music, like that's <laughs> awesome. Like we all win as a result of that. Yeah, that's amazing.
1: So we're here, we're doing stuff. There's some framework, there's some excitement, there's opportunity, there's uh difference, you know? Yeah. Uh, you You invited diversity into the conversation. So if there's people out there who don't, Have a place, or um, you know, this might be the first time that you're someone sent you this podcast. You not, you don't like know Jesus, and and, uh, this is a good place to learn. This is a good place to become part of a family. And we talked about you know being part of the family of God, and uh, being family and friends with each other, and uh, loving on each other, so caring for each other. So if, if you're looking for a place where you're cared for, and you're looking for friends. This is the place.